anything that falls outside of those behaviors doesn't make sense to the character. And that's why DC is catching a lot of hell right now. Superman and Batman are doing things completely out of character these days that don't match with the habitual behaviors that we're used to, that we've been shown consistently. You know, Superman is out here snapping necks and killing folks. <laughs> you know, And it just isn't, it's not reflective at all of the high ideals, morals, and ethics of the Superman we used to know. He's unfamiliar. Batman's unfamiliar. Wonder Woman's unfamiliar. We don't know who this new Kal-El is. And the fans hate it. You can see it on Facebook all day, all the time. Cussing DC out. (laughs) Change it back. We want the old Superman back. We want our old Wonder Woman back. It's a mess. But that's the importance. You can see the importance of core personality traits and habitual behaviors. Hey y'all, what's going on? This is Ed from the Archive Podcast. Brent is not with me on this episode. Brent is... What is Brent doing? Brent is... Brent has big brother duties. He has uncle duties. A lot going on. He has husband duties, so he's unable to record for this episode, but he will be back in episodes 21. No, this is episode 21. Scratch that. Episodes 22 and 23. Actually, this is going to be a three-part series, so that'll actually be good to have that back and forth. This is a really robust and valuable series, but before I get into that, let me say this. We got our, rather, we got the pencils and the inks from Miguel yesterday. Yesterday was Saturday. Today is Sunday. I'm recording on a Sunday, and we got them yesterday, so Tim and I have been going hard. It's been a hustle weekend, all weekend. I've been brushing up and learning how to letter better. And Tim has been doing the colors, our new intern, colorist intern. So that's been interesting. Kind of put in, <laughs> like, it's like putting the pedal to the metal, man. And just kind of just grinding it out no matter what, because it has to get out there. It's, it's late. It's, it's past due and it'll be out Rather, it actually, by the time this, let me rephrase that. If you're listening to this right now, the mini issue should have been out by now. If it's not, shame on us, but it should be out there. Just go to arclightcomics.com slash minis and you should get episode two. It's free to download. Check it out. Let us know how it is and we'll keep it moving. So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's, it's been um, an interesting It'll be 48 hours coming up here soon, and I'm looking forward to seeing how we get this thing done. So let's jump in, because this is, like I said, a really robust but valuable episode. We have a lot to cover, a lot to cover. And what we're going to cover, or rather what I'm going to cover, see, I'm I'm still like in the mindset that Brent is here. <laughs> what we're going to cover, I said it again, god dang. Anyway, the material that's going to be covered I actually fully expect this stuff to shift your mindsets and get you guys thinking 
in a different direction when it comes to character-driven storytelling. Now, I don't think we've talked about this one before, but we have two ebooks launching this year. We've already covered Build Iconic Characters at Last in episode 17. So go to arclightcomics.com slash 17. But we have another book coming out first, before that one, called Unleash the Soul. Now, where Build Iconic Characters at Last covers more of the design look for getting an iconic character, Unleash the Soul is about the story elements. And you can't have one without the other. You have to have both the design and the story in place to have an iconic character. They work hand in hand. To get iconic, you have to have both. And there's just so much value in this book. We're actually going to give away some of this for free, believe it or not. I just kind of want everyone to see the best like 10% of this book and benefit from it. Like You should actually walk away from this series being able to use the information that we're going to share. We also have a blog series coming up with information from the book. So you should be able to walk away with the podcast series and the blog series and actually be able to make some huge changes and differences in your characters and the storytelling that surrounds your characters. Like you should actually be able to walk away and just get free value from there. That's that's what I'm expecting. So if that happens, if that you actually benefit from this series in that way, let me know. You can hit me up on, where can you go? You can go to Instagram and shoot me a DM. Um, we're at Arclight Comics on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can hit me up on Snapchat. I'm on Snapchat like all the time. I love Snapchat. I'm at Geeky Dreamer, G-E-E-K-Y Dreamer. Hit me up there. Send me a direct message and I'll get back to you. So just let me know how it's benefiting you in, in some kind of way, if it is. So let's get up in here <laughs> and get down to it. So let's see. So let's just kind of start with talking about what the key is to creating storytelling powerhouses. And by storytelling powerhouses, I'm talking about your Spider-Mans, your Supermans, and your Wonder Womans, those types of characters. The key to creating these storytelling powerhouses is giving those characters soul. Now, we've actually talked about this in episodes two and three, arclightcomics.com slash two and slash three to check them out. This book is based off of those episodes. We're just expanding on that concept, the soul of a character, diving more down into it and giving you an actual process on how to develop that soul aspect to your character. And when we're talking about soul, I'm talking about the essence of a character. Your characters have to embody the human condition and element And they have to be reflections of humanity. We have to relate to them. We have to see ourselves in them. We just have to feel what they feel. That's how we connect. That's why Spider-Man and the Supermans and the Wonder Womans are what they are. We connect. We relate. They have to feel. They have to think. They have to have ideas and original thoughts. They have to have morals and ethics and values and motives. And they have to have an authentic source for where all that is coming from. It just can't be any old place and any old where. So that means that given all that, they have to operate outside of their superhero persona, right? 
Now, we've said this before in other episodes, I forget, but this is one of the storytelling philosophies at Arclight. Now, you don't get to be around 5, 10, 50, 20, 25 plus years only sharing with us your character's extraordinary moments. We'll get bored really quickly and check out. Storytelling is a balance of many things, but when it comes to superheroes, we need that balance of the ordinary and extraordinary. You can't just have one or the other. If you just have the ordinary, then it's not of the superhero genre. If you have too much extraordinary, it gets old. (laughs) We need that balance. We need the highs and lows of the story that you're telling. And here's some social proof for you. And by now, now this is going to be spoiler free, but by now, everybody should be like a couple episodes in or whatever. Um, So Marvel's Daredevil series on Netflix. Now, talk about balance. The team behind this series has managed to really execute on the ordinary and extraordinary incredibly well. It's just well executed on every level. We love the fight scenes. We love when Daredevil beats people up. I mean, gosh, the episode three, the stairwell fight scene, that was amazing. That was just legit. (laughs) It was just everything. But we also enjoy the story of this young college graduate just trying to make a name for himself as a lawyer in this really gritty corner of New York called Hell's Kitchen. This seems like like, like the cesspool of crime, like really bad crime. Like it just happens a lot. But um, we can add to that. They add to that. And for those who weren't familiar with the character prior to the Netflix series, Matt Murdock is blind. It's just like adding things on top of an already bad situation. So we have this blind superhero with a very little experience as a lawyer taking on clients who pay him and his partner, Foggy Nelson, and like banana pudding and peach cobbler. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, I've been there before where I have people pay me with different things except for money. So I definitely could relate to that moment. Um, but, you know, he's Matt Murdock is just a normal guy like you and me in his ordinary moments. He goes to the bar with his partner, Foggy. Um, By partner, I mean the lawyer, business partner. I want to make sure I'm not confusing anybody. And their friend slash secretary, Karen. And they, you know, partake in just regular activities like we do. You know, they go to the bar, shoot some pool, have a couple drinks. Just regular people hanging out. And in those moments of hanging out, you know, even when they're not hanging out, they're doing work at the office or whatever, they exchange ideas and they have different approaches and ways of life. And sometimes they don't always agree. And that's what gives Matt Murdock this incredibly robust runway of storytelling possibilities. If he were just daredevil all the time, we'd get really bored, like I said earlier, and we'd check out after the first two or three seasons, if not sooner. <laughs> I know I would. Just go back to the, the movie done by... Um, Fox, (laughs) you know, but because there's that balance of the ordinary and extraordinary, we binge watch an entire season in a single weekend because, again, the balance is there within the story. It's just not all daredevil all the time. They give us moments where we can relate 
we can feel, we can kind of see ourselves in these characters at different moments in every single one of them. And then they give us moments where we have the opportunity to idolize Matt as their devil. Because at that moment, he's being extraordinary. He's being fantastical. He's a superhero. So you need those ordinary moments in a backdrop or a world for your character to function and outside of the superhero persona. That's like a, a must. <laughs> it's not optionable. You need to have those ordinary moments. And you need a supporting cast. A strong one at that. Just not people you're randomly throwing in the world. Foggy and Karen are very important to Matt's world. They're just not there just to be there. But to build that successful backdrop, that supporting cast, to get a storytelling powerhouse, and to get you a a good runway to tell stories over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years, you need to follow this process and build the material we're going to share in the next three episodes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you all eight of the principles in the process that we follow for building our characters. I for, We didn't do this in the brand building series. I think we just named the first two we were going to do in the first episode, and then you had to wait to the next episode to hear the last three, which was crazy. <laughs> so I won't do that to y'all this series. So here are the eight. So we're going to be covering... Back principle number one is backstory. And then we got personality. So those two will be covered in this episode. The next set is motivation, faults, and origin, which will be covered in part two. And then physical description, abilities, and name will be covered in part three. So again, today we're going to cover principles one and two, backstory and personality traits. And let's get right up in there. So (laughs) principle number one, building better backstories and backgrounds. That's one of those like tongue twister things, building better backstories and backgrounds. But first, let's talk about how how much backstory is actually needed. In episode 19, we talked about world building. And much like world building, you can get lost in building all this backstory you may not need at this time. I did that with Tremor, Bolt, Braxton, Riot. Just kept building and building and building all this backstory. It's nice to have, but it's not being used because it's not a necessity to the story. So <laughs> let me give you an example of a story. You can determine how much backstory it needs. So here we go. Once upon a time, there was a hero. He was captured by his arch nemesis. His team offered a lot of money to anyone who could rescue him because none of them had the skills to do it. A hero tried to rescue him, but couldn't. The team asked another hero to help. She used her powers that made her super strong and was able to defeat the arch nemesis and save the hero. She joined the team afterwards. The end. Now you tell me (laughs) how much backstory is actually needed in that story. If your answer is none, you are absolutely correct. Zero backstory is needed. No one cares where anyone came from and why the hero was kidnapped. It's all irrelevant. And it's irrelevant because it's missing two things, two very simple things. I didn't catch this until we started writing the book. I'm surprised at how much you will be surprised how much, you know, when you start just, when you just sit down and write about it, it's crazy, but I'll get to that in a minute, but let's kind of recap the story real quick. I said, once upon a time, there was a hero. Now that's all the information you care about. 
That's it. You don't need any additional context or backstory. You know that somewhere in this timeline, there was a hero. But I'm going to switch it up on you real quick. If I said, all right, I'm going to give you a, a second example. So if I said, they've all been extinct for a while now. He was able to kill many of them so much that they all went into retirement very quickly. All except one. Now we're talking. (laughs) Now you're wanting to know who is they and why they've been extinct, who killed they and drove them to never kind of want to come out again. And who's this one that you're talking about? Now we have those two very simple things that I'm talking about that rather that I did talk about earlier called complexity and immersion. That sink in for a minute. Complexity and immersion. The story grew in complexity. We went from once upon a time to they've all been extinct for a while now. Something was asked of you. (laughs) You were asked to care and want to understand the layering going on beneath those couple of sentences. You supercharge your reader's care and desire to understand your characters and story by layering the complexity. I'm going to say that one more time. You supercharge your reader's care and desire to understand your characters and story by layering that complexity. Complexity drives us to care about your characters. Without it, we're going back to the once upon a time. So keep that in mind. The higher the complexity, the more is being asked of your reader to care. The less complexity, the less is being asked. Take notes or something. Do something. Because this is like, this is key. You know, this is like key stuff. This is stuff that you don't, you probably know. It's just never been put in front of you, you know, as a written or spoken context or whatever you want to call it. So this is like. Backstory 101, I guess you can say. And we got to bring in that second element, immersion, because complexity isn't enough to answer the question, how much backstory do we actually need? And immersion is when the reader's suspension of disbelief is at its strongest. You, This happens to you when you're really just engulfed in a story that you're reading, whether it be a comic book, a novel, a movie, a cartoon, whatever the case is. You find yourself in a place where you actually believe all this is going on. You believe in the world. You believe in the characters. Like, you're in there. You're right there with Frodo. You're right in there with Harry Potter. Like, you're just there. (laughs) You've completely checked out for those two hours or so, and you're just right there with those characters. That's, That's what you call immersion. And this happens to your readers as well. They believe in this world that you've created in the character of your story. So you have to pay attention to the unspoken requests from your readers. In that second example, I said all except one. So now there's this, this like suspense and mystery surrounding this character. They didn't get killed. They didn't go into retirement. Who is this person? (laughs) And why, you know, why didn't they end up like the rest? So without directly telling you, your reader is actually going to be asking you to tell them more about this character and not invent more about this character. Catch the difference. There's a difference there. Tell them more, not invent more. 
And that's where you start diving into the backstory. You have to answer to certain things. What caused them to be the last one standing? What chain of events happened in this person's life that created them to be this type of person? Tell me more. Go tell by saying tell me more, I'm telling you to go back in the backstory and figure out what led us, or rather, what led this character to this point. As a creator, it's your responsibility to create the material necessary to tell your reader more. So you don't have to spend years and years and years developing all this backstory. This kind of goes back to the example I gave in episode 19 with Toy Story and Woody. His backstory was irrelevant in Toy Story 1. But in Toy Story 2, all of a sudden, we have Jesse Bullseye and the the, the uh, Stinky Pete <laughs> who just show up and they, they know Woody. And it's like, okay, well, who are these people and how do they know Woody? Now we're asking Pixar to tell us more. You see that? exchange at unspoken requests. Who are these people? How do they know Woody? Tell us how this happened. Tell me more. Tell us more. And then within that sequence, we go back and Woody kind of backs himself up because he's not sure what's going on. He backs himself up into this huge cardboard cutout of himself. Then he turns around and there's posters and there's book bags and there's lunch boxes and all kinds of stuff with his face on it. Then Bullseye hits the play button, and then we see Woody's roundup the on this old box TV. So all his backstory is coming out right in front of his eyes and our eyes. Like we're all experiencing it at the same time. And that's where that's <laughs> that's coming from. You know, that tell me more, not invent more. Inventing more would be, oh, you know, you were a toy back in the day and uh, you have some friends and this is this and that. No, they went back into the backstory to tell us more and showed us more of who Woody. And that was satisfying. That was enough. We didn't need to go into any more than what they showed us. And in the book, we talk about how how to give your readers just enough to where you don't give them, give us everything all at once. You You, you give us just enough to satisfy that request and we keep it moving. So that's on backstory. So let's go into developing core personality traits. So a personality trait is a mode of interacting with the world and more specifically with other characters. Recap, this is principle number two, developing core personality traits. I forgot to say that. (laughs) So when we talk about personality traits, we're talking about Habitual behaviors. Personality traits are important. These are kind of the things that dictate our own conversations, our approaches, our decisions, how we interact with different people. And they're consistent. That's why we call them habitual behaviors. Because the character will, you know, display them consistently over and over and over again. That's why we want our Peter Parker to be the comedic relief and the wisecracker that he is. And we want our Captain America to be the Boy Scout. Anything that falls outside of those behaviors doesn't make sense to the character. And that's why DC is catching a lot of hell right now. Superman and Batman are doing things completely out of character these days that don't match 
with the habitual behaviors that we're used to, that we've been shown consistently. You know, Superman is out here snapping necks and killing folks. <laughs> you know, and it just isn't, it's not reflective at all of the high ideals, morals, and ethics of the Superman we used to know. He's unfamiliar. Batman's unfamiliar. Wonder Woman's unfamiliar. We don't know who this new Kal-El is. And the fans hate it. You can see it on Facebook all day, all the time. Cussing DC out. <laughs> Change it back. We want the old Superman back. We want our old Wonder Woman back. It's a mess. But that's the importance. You can see the importance of core personality traits and habitual behaviors. Because these things have changed so much, habitual behaviors add to this really grand presence for these characters. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Captain America, Iron Man. They add to them. That's what creates the brand, the feeling, the essence, the soul of these characters. And when they start changing them, when they start making Superman snap necks and telling him, you know people he's going to kill them and all this other stuff that just isn't consistent with what we've been told over the last 25, 50, 75 years, those grand presences start to deteriorate right before our eyes. And we no longer have any type of brand loyalty or have any type of desire to want to stick around with these characters anymore. People don't put enough weight or rather give enough weight to core behaviors and habituals or rather core traits and habitual behaviors. Very important things that have a lot to do with the soul of a character. If you don't know how to write for your character, what their actions will be or how their tonality will sound when talking about certain things, you haven't developed a strong collection of core traits. Because those traits should be jumping off the page no matter what the character gets themselves into. Let me give you a couple examples. You don't find Bolt rationally thinking something through and Braxton flying off the handle emotionally. Braxton, or rather, Bolt doesn't think logically at all. (laughs) And Braxton does. Braxton will give something strong, logical thought before executing on it. Meanwhile, Bolt's over here acting a fool. He's going to act on whatever whatever he feels within that moment. He's emotional. He's unstable. He's, he's, he's fueled and he responds to how he's feeling in the moment. And then Braxton's dialogue is going to be different from Bolt. Braxton's dialogue will be sharp and pointed and very direct and punctual to kind of make her point exactly how she wants it. It's black and white with her. There's no gray. There's no room for gray at all. Either you get it. Or you don't. <laughs> no in between whatsoever. Meanwhile, Bolt is going to scream. He's going to yell. He's going to shout. He's going to throw his fist to get his point across. Because there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of rage boiling up in him. And he wants to make sure that that is seen and that is heard. Because it's coming from a place within. So even their body language is going to be different. Bolt, you know, Braxton is going to be very poised and balanced. In her body language. And Bolt's always going to be ready just to pop off and, you know, (laughs) be prepared for something. So you can see how core traits and habitual behaviors rule every aspect of those characters. From their dialogue to the body language to their thoughts and feelings and actions. They have a lot 
to do with how your character is going to approach the story, what they're going to, how they're going to act. And our, we had a big uh, meeting Thursday on mini issue number three. And we wrote the story together. And at the end of it, I was thinking through how the other characters would react. And every single one of them would have reacted differently. <laughs> Depending on who you put down in the story between Go-Go, Riot, Braxton, like every single one of them was going to give you a different result and a different ending because they're individuals. Because they have these core personality traits that dictate those behaviors and their actions and their thoughts and their feelings at any given moment, you know? And if you have a cast of characters like we do, it should be the same. They all shouldn't respond to something the same way. I mean, look at your family or your group of friends. If something happens, you all don't respond the same way. You'll have a different opinion. If you do respond to something the same way, it's going to come out differently than the next person sitting beside you, you know? So we're again, we're mirroring the human condition and the human elements and humanity as we're going and building our soul for the character. And here's an interesting thing. You can actually use backstory to inform your character's core personality traits. If the character is emotionally full of rage all the time, what in the heck in that character's backstory caused that? Something had to trigger that. You just can't say it and be done with it. You actually have to answer to it because something is influencing or informing that state of mind and attitude. Once you answer to it, you start developing complexity. And once you start developing complexity, then there is an opportunity for us to want to become immersed time and again. We've been following Peter Parker around forever because we care. We treat him like a real person. Because his stories are complex and we get immersed in them. He's made some really tough decisions. He made some good decisions and some bad decisions. He's had to do things he's never done before. And each time, who and what he is has came to life. He shows us Peter Parker. The wisecracker. The sarcasm. With great power comes great responsibility. Peter Parker comes out every single time. He faces those challenges and those roadblocks, roadblocks as he grows as a character. And they were honest, most of them. <laughs> they were authentic and they drove the story forward. They gave us something to cheer for and kept, you know, true to the spirit of who Peter Parker is. And that's what you need to focus on when you're developing your core personality traits. You have to get those in there. Without them in there, what in the heck is influencing <laughs> your character's thoughts and their feelings and their their habits and their reaction to things and all that stuff? You have to go tick for tack with both the backstory and the traits because the backstory is going to inform the traits. And when the traits show themselves on the pages, and they should, you have to answer to it back in the backstory. So that's going to wrap it up for this first part in the uh, in the series do these <laughs> actually let me let me say this a lot of people like to start with name and powers and that's fine you do whatever you want to get your concept going but these are in this reason for very good purpose they every single one of them influences the next one we put name and powers last 
because you, you eventually have to answer to why things are the way that they are. And these are created in succession to so that you can actually answer to why things are the way that they are. Tremor. He has earth powers. Core personality traits. He's jolly. He's approachable. He's a great guy to be around. Huge heart. However, he gets taken advantage of. He doesn't have the best self-esteem. He hasn't, hasn't, doesn't have the best self-confidence. He's supposed to be the leader, but how are you going to be the leader when you don't have the greatest self-esteem or the confidence? Why doesn't he have great self-esteem or confidence? I can't tell you yet because we haven't wrote the book. <laughs> and that would spoil some things. <laughs> but it's I, I, I know, and the team knows, why that is the way that it is. But again, I can't tell you because it's in the book and I don't want to spoil anything. But everything is answered for. Bolt, power is super speed. Very emotionally unstable, full of rage, full of emotion, wants to get, has no patience for anything, always wants things to be answered the way he wants it to be answered in the time he wants it to be answered in. Why? It's in the backstory. There's things informing those traits and those behaviors. Bolt. Going somewhere very fast. <laughs> That's how he is. He goes from zero to 100 in a blink of an eye. <laughs> so everything you will find informs the next thing. Everything comes. It, everything is coming from an authentic place all the time with every single one of these characters. So that's what we're looking to help you do in this book. So we are still writing it. We're still working it through. I'm going to wrap it up with a quote from the week so Brent doesn't yell at me. The quote of the week is, you can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. And that's by the late Maya Angelou. And that's that. So follow me on Snapchat. I actually I actually give behind-the-scenes content you won't see anywhere else. I actually Snapchatted my lettering process for issue number two last night. And that was interesting <laughs> as I was learning through Illustrator. Um, I did something with Brent and I last week for our podcast meeting as we were putting together, putting together the script. So there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff there. So follow me at Geeky Dreamer. Add me. I will add you back. Um, we'll get that on and popping. And you can follow us on excuse me, Instagram at Arclight Comics, Facebook and Twitter, also at Arclight Comics. And we will see y'all next Thursday for part two of this series thank y'all so much for tuning in I love y'all thank you for all the comments that you leave the reviews that you leave they've been great they've been giving us the encouragement and uh, support that we need to keep it going so have a wonderful day and an even more blessed week and we will see y'all on next Thursday have a good one y'all bye